Welcome to Head in the Cloud. I'm your host, John Svazek. This is episode 8 for 2017. So, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about... Uh, we're going to go back and take a look at the security posturing of cloud and how that relates to more traditional data center offerings and whatnot. And more specifically, we're going to be looking at IDSs. So this one, I know when, when I first started in in working with Amazon in the cloud, I was like, how the hell do I get an IDS in here? And so I figured this would probably be something that people are more or less struggling with or maybe struggling with or just trying to figure out what, what do I do? And uh, or maybe you haven't. Maybe you're, again, a, a young startup and you're like, what's an IDS? So let's let's go through that first. So what is an IDS? So an IDS at a very high level, um, an IDS is, well, let's start with the acronym, it's Intrusion Detection System. And basically what it does is it scans for your, scans your system, scans your network more specifically often, um, and looks for threats. So there's usually multiple types of intrusion detection. There's uh, a network intrusion detection system, a NIDS for short, or host intrusion detection system, uh, or HIDS. And you can have signature-based and anomaly-based uh, intrusion detection. And what does what do all of those things mean, right? Well. We're going to go through in detail for all of them, but at a high level, uh, a NIDS, a network intrusion detection system, it basically looks at your network traffic. Host intrusion detection system sits on your host. Each individual host and monitors its interactions with the environment. Uh, Signature-based uh, IDS systems, and that signature can be either host or NIDS. Um, that just means that it's looking for something that it knows about, uh, some sort of pattern, some sort of signature it can match, very much like antivirus and anomaly-based. Again, that could be host or uh, network-based IDS. They're basically looking for deviations from norm. We're going to cover each of these in, in more detail a little later in this podcast, but early on, that's that's essentially what the different types of IDS are. And an intrusion detection system, it can be hardware-based or software. Um, so when I say hardware-based, I mean an actual appliance, like some sort of rack mount server. And this is, again, this is more traditional data center, more traditional, I've got racks of computers that I want to keep track of, and I'm going to slide something into my rack, and this is my IDS. And you can get this from... You can get IDSs from the major vendors, right? Um, Cisco has an IDS, uh, I believe. I know they have an IPS for sure. We'll get into what an IPS is in a second. Um, and you know, you can you can have various uh, vendors that that will support uh, or will get you uh, a hardware-based IPS or IDS. Sorry. And software-based, uh, Snort is probably one of the most popular ones that people will run into. Snort's an uh, open-source IDS, uh, software-based, runs on Linux. Um, it's signature-based, so uh, it basically is looking for particular patterns and whatnot. Um, so it's it's kind of a a common feature that you'll find in network security. Now, the one thing you have to keep in mind with an IDS is they can generate alerts. So they can look for bad juju going on. They can look for, you know, threats to your network uh, or your host and they can generate an alarm, an alert or something and send that up up the uh, chain uh, and then decide what to do from there but for the most part they don't do anything else they are more or less your little yappy dog that hey somebody's outside bark 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 something's happening on the wire bark 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 but they're not going out there and 
trying to chew on the leg of whoever's doing the attack. Right? There are systems that do do that. There are systems that will act on that threat, and we normally call those IPS, intrusion prevention systems. So uh, sometimes you can have an IPS is, uh, well, sometimes people will refer to an IPS as an active intrusion detection system, uh, meaning that they're going to act on what they see uh, and what they encounter. All right, so if you see uh, someone talking about, well, we, this is an IDS, but it's an active IDS. Well, that's just another type of, it's another way of saying this is an IPS. This is an intrusion prevention system. It's looking at the alerts that it's generating and deciding to act on them in some way. Um, whereas more traditional, like Snort was, is more traditionally a passive IDS where uh, you can configure Snort to actually uh, take action as well, but traditionally Snort is used to generate um, some sort of action, or sorry, some sort of alert, and let someone else make the decision of whether or not to uh, to act upon that. And yeah, so why would you want an IDS versus an IPS? Obviously, an IPS is a bit better for you. Yes and no. Um, IPSs are great if you don't want to, if you feel you don't have the manpower or the ability to act on threats. But there's a downside to them in that if you're not careful, an IPS will actually um, block legitimate traffic. So this is what we call a false positive. False positive is when a system detects some sort of alert condition, um, something's gone wrong, you know, I found something, and upon further investigation, it turns out, no, that's not true. There is nothing wrong here. There's no threat. There's no attack happening. And because of that, we call that a false positive. Now think about that from the perspective of something that will be doing an active defense. If I have a system that generates a false positive and then decides to act on it, well, what if that false positive was a legitimate customer coming into your site or accessing your systems and your intrusion uh, prevention system has decided to block that traffic? Well, now all of a sudden you've created a negative user experience for your customer and you may have driven that customer away or maybe you're in violation of a service level agreement with that customer. Now, there's a lot of reasons why IPSs, you know, they sell a great story, but you have to be very careful with them to make sure that you're not generating false positives and you have those systems tuned. So oftentimes what you end up having is an IPS on some critical internal systems where you know what the traffic is going to be. You tune them like crazy, watching and generating as much traffic as you can in a lab environment, making sure that you've got sort of a known um, set of traffic going to the system uh, so you know that you're not going to be generating those false positives. It's kind of when you get that unknown input. So if you have customer-facing systems, an IPS may generate some false positives that may impact uh, revenues. So just something to, to keep in mind and, and be aware of. So going back to IDSs, what does an IDS give you? I mean, we talked about this briefly. Um, and we say, well, it looks for network threats and it will generate some sort of alert to notify you, um, which is true. It, it can be configured that way. Sometimes it may not generate alert at all. It may just log something and you would have a system to check the logs after the fact, um, like, a, like a SIM or something along those lines. So, but the, the big thing, IDSs do give you insight into potential threats to your network. Um, so things like port scans, uh, some sort of, if any of your hosts are zombies, uh, as part of a botnet, um, you can see that 
traffic. You can see the command and control traffic coming from your hosts off to uh, 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 control system. Uh, you can even see viruses and malware. You know, again, something that's going out to a particular host um, that may be identified as being a potential uh, control box for some malware or ransomware, or even a worm seeing uh, network traffic going out and a high amount of, of uh, email traffic potentially from one of your internal hosts that you normally wouldn't see. So spam as well, right? All sorts of things. That's that's what an IDS will give you. Is, is uh, That's one of the things an IDS will give you. They, can, they give you a lot more, obviously, but the insight into your network and knowing what is going on and having that sort of eye monitoring your system 24-7 um, is really where the, the strength of the IDS comes from and why they're so popular. And so going back again, what are the two different types of IDSs? You have signature-based IDSs, and these are IDSs that will, again, they, they look at the traffic and they look for particular signatures. This could be a specific port, this could be going to a specific host, this could be size of the packets, the format of the packets. Um, remember, that if you're talking about a network-based IDS, this is something that's going down and looking at things at the packet level. Um, it's going to take a look uh, pretty closely to figure out what's going on with your with your network and it's going to look for things um, that are considered bad or some sort of threat but it's something that signature has been generated for so the reason signature base signature base is probably the most popular and there's a reason for that they have fewer false positives Right. The, the chance of having a false positive with a signature-based IDS is relatively low, especially compared to anomaly-based. So, But the downside is signature-based can be fooled. Right? Signature-based IDSs can be fooled. They are looking for a particular pattern. And very much like antivirus, where antivirus is signature-based, if you have a determined attacker coming at your at your system, you do have the potential of them manipulating the um, the traffic in some way to uh, bypass the IDS. The simplest way, using the secure connection. Just encrypt the traffic. Use SSL. Uh, IDS. It will still see the SSL traffic. Um, but it's going to be garbled text to it because it can't decrypt it. And that's probably one of the most popular ways of having uh, or defeating an IDS. You know, it's something you need to be aware of. But, you know, again, you can take a look and say, hey, if uh, I'm getting traffic on an unknown port, then maybe that is something I want to alert on. Or I know it's going to a particular host. I may not be able to see what the traffic is, but that's not a host I'm expecting data on that port to be, right? That may be something a, a piece of malware is, is doing, and that's something I want to, I want to uh, watch out for. So that's where, um, you know, again, these these signature-based systems um, kind of really excel. Is they don't always have to know exactly what's in the individual packets. Sometimes just even knowing what the what the target is and what the hosts and ports are uh, that can that can assist as well that's not foolproof either but again even systems that don't uh, use encryption so malware that doesn't use encryption for its communication you know if you don't update your signatures on a regular basis you're gonna have a bad day right threats are constant you know they're constantly incoming the bad guys are uh, pretty good at what they do and yeah you're gonna want to have uh, a regular schedule for updating these signatures and that's gonna add maintenance costs for sure right and these are definitely things that, that you need to be aware of um, 
especially when it comes to signature-based uh, IDSs. If those signatures aren't updated, you're not protected against the most recent threats, right? It's, it's a system that has to be patched just like an operating system, just like antivirus, something that has to be updated regularly. So going on from signature-based, we'll take a look at the other one briefly, which is anomaly-based. And this one is kind of like the the I'm going to train you to tell you what's normal. That's probably the best way to look at anomaly based is it's an IDS where you're going to say, look, I'm going to put you in learning mode and I'm going to get you to just just sit there and just listen or listen mode. Just just listen. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Just listen. And I'm just going to turn you on. I'm going to let you run for a day or so. And maybe I'm going to let you run for an hour. You know, it's got to be, it's got to be some significant amount of time. You can't just run it for a minute and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah you're trained." Um, you want to let an anomaly-based IDS learn what is normal for some period of time, and then you turn it on, and you say, "Okay, you're done. I've trained you now. Now, uh, it's looking for anomalies." It's looking for something that is not normal, something that's outside the scope of, of uh, activity that you trained it on. So that could be uh, an increase in traffic. That could be new connections on strange ports. It could be anything that it didn't see during its uh, training cycle. And it's good in that way, in that it's easier for an anomaly-based system to find something new, something it hasn't encountered before, some new type of malware and whatever else. can't tell you exactly what it is, but I can tell you that something has happened um, versus, say, something that's signature-based. Um, the signature will match a known threat, and it can actually tell you what that threat is, whereas an anomaly-based so just basically says, hey, something is different that I didn't experience before. You might want to look into this. Now, obviously, this is where, I don't know if you caught that, but the anomaly-based will alert you when something is different, which means it has potential for a lot of false positives, and not just a potential. Anomaly-based IDSs are known for generating an awful lot of false positives. They're not as popular because of that, because you end up having this system that cries wolf, and a lot, especially early on. And unless you have some really disciplined staff that will investigate every single time and will work to make sure that the uh, anomaly-based IDS is more or less up-to-date and trained and tuned and modified appropriately and reconfigured to avoid those types of false positives in the future, you can have a, a really bad time. Um, now. Everything that we've just said for IDSs apply to IPSs as well. Again, remember, an IPS is something that will act upon the alert that's generated, right? The up to the generation of the alerts, IDSs and IPSs are the same. It's just the action of what to do after that alert is generated is uh, what comes up next uh, or what differentiates them, I should say. And, you know, an, an IDS will simply send that uh, alert up the chain to let uh, someone else uh, deal with it, potentially a human operator, versus an IPS will, will actually try to do something with it. So let's take a look at um, what a network IDS is and a, a host in IDS is. And what we've been discussing up till now in terms of what IDSs provide to you, uh, signature-based, anomaly-based, this is true for both network IDSs as well as host IDSs or NIDs or HIDs, right? So NIDs, um, just really quickly, again, it's, it's a network-based IDS. When you're installing a, a network IDS, this is where you normally have some sort of device, like some sort of appliance, um, some physical box that you're going to put on your rack, and you're usually going to put it really close to where your network is going out, and you're going to attach it to a span port, right, or something that can offer you port mirroring 
or whatever else. And you put this on your switch. And the idea is any traffic that's going through your switch, and this is usually your, your link to the external network, you have your IDS sitting on there and it's going to be attached to, like I said, either a span port or another port and you turn port mirroring on that basically just says, look, any data that comes through this switch also gets replicated on this port that the IDS is configured to. Uh, so this is the network IDS and the the NIDS system will do that, that packet analysis. It will do that, that um, either signature based uh, checks or anomaly based checks looking for something um, that can go sort of awry. So it's the most common type of like a NIDS system is the most common type of IDS you're going to see simply because it's the most scalable. I need one device, one piece of software, one system that's going to be looking at all my traffic, regardless of how many hosts I have. Um, I'm going to have everything going there, going through there. Now, obviously, depending on the size of your network, the number of hosts you have, you may need a bigger um, appliance or something that can handle that traffic. Um, so you can you can create your own, for example, you can build your own uh, machine that you want to plug into that span port. Uh, start checking those things and build up your um, IDS offering from there as opposed to say going and buying an appliance um, but just keep in mind if you're gonna go that route uh, you are going to have to um, more or less you know make sure that the box itself that it's running on is is beefy enough uh, has a fast enough network card that can handle that uh, influx of data uh, and be able to uh, act on it. So when we talk about IDSs and we talk about uh, NIDs in particular, there are some uh, pieces of software, open source software out there that you can that you can look at and use. Snort we've talked about before. There's one called Bro, sometimes called Bro IDS, and uh, Suricata uh, is another one. I'll provide links in the uh, show notes for each of these for you guys to take a look at if you wanted to to dig into them a bit more so if you if you have a shoestring budget as we so often do in security then these might be things that you want to take a look at the good news is thing these are all fairly well documented and you can find a lot of support uh, for them, but just keep in mind for all of these you are going to have to do some work with them All right, they don't just come out of the box and you can say look I'm done. You know, that's very true with pretty much uh, Every piece of security um, Software or appliance or whatever else you don't buy a firewall and stick it in and say well I uh, set up my firewall rules for any any and I allow everything uh, and I'm done you know that's that's not true you've done nothing except buy a really expensive paperweight same thing with uh, a NIDS system you can't just plug it in and say well I'm protected now I'm done now you're gonna have to do a bit of a uh, bit of reading a bit of well a lot of configuration and a lot of testing and you want to make sure that you get these things tuned it's not going to be uh, a, a one-hour job unless this is your full-time job and you know exactly what you need to do because you have some you know insane oracle like ability to know what your and i don't mean the company i mean like the old school uh delphi of uh, oracle of delphi sort of uh madness for knowing what your network is doing and what you need to configure so aside from network IDSs, the, the other is uh, HIDS, Host Intrusion Detection System. And so very much like the name implies, uh, HIDS is host-based. Right? This is a piece of software that sits on the host itself. Right? It's installed locally on each system. 
and traditionally they they kind of follow a client server model but they don't necessarily have to and what do i mean by that i mean you usually have an agent of uh, some type that sits on the host itself looks for metrics and and um, anomalies and signatures and just any sort of thing that's happening and reports that back to a central server um, usually over some sort of encrypted channel uh, as well um, but the the big thing to remember is um, this is still something that sits on each individual host whether or not it calls back to a central server um, you know it, it, again it depends on on the hits system uh, some of them like I said can sit just completely on the box itself um, now obviously because you've got a system that sits on each individual host and it's checking each individual host you're adding additional processing cost to each host All right, these things are not free uh, a lot of these systems are doing near real-time evaluation they're taking a look at things like on a Unix system they're going to be looking at syslog and they're going to be looking at syslog logs and they're looking for uh, things that are going on there they might be doing some deeper network analysis as well to see what's going on um, and all of that adds up to some extra processing that's going to be happening so just keep that in mind maybe you've you've tuned your application to use a minimum set of requirements but now you've decided to install some sort of uh, host intrusion detection system on your uh, individual host and now that extra processing forces you to say go up to a bigger instance size or uh, a system that has more processing power um, because of that extra uh, processing that's happening um, so it does there is that that drawback for the extra processing for the monitoring in addition to that if you have a box that has a host intrusion detection system on it be it an agent or a standalone HIDS um, if someone compromises that machine they can simply turn that off uh, and this is kind of where the the shutdown the 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 standalone uh, HIDS systems ones that just that only live on the machine themselves that's where you can potentially have a problem because the the act of stopping the the host intrusion detection system uh, may generate an alert but that alert may be silenced before it ever reaches you because again the attacker has access to the host if you have something if you have a hids system that's client server based at the very least the server can alert you hey I haven't heard from this host for a while um, oftentimes because they they do have some sort of heartbeat in play um, so that that in itself can generate an alert and, and that's something worth looking into so it's definitely something you want to keep in mind if you do go down the the uh, HIDS route you may want to go with a client server based HIDS um, uh, just to be able to know when something has gone wrong uh, on a particular host so the setup obviously is a lot more cumbersome um, especially if you have a lot of systems if you have a lot of systems that you're working with uh, setting up a uh, HIDS on each individual one can be cumbersome to put it mildly but as you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about uh, DevOps tools and the ability to use uh, DevOps tools like Chef or Puppet or Ansible or um, whatever else SaltStack is another one um, you can get these uh, these HIDS systems built in to the uh, uh, through the DevOps tool or maybe even in a golden image maybe you've got a base install and you use your uh, DevOps tool to uh, add the configuration so um, for example what's the server address to send alerts to um, what are the signatures that I want used by this intrusion detection system um, 
and and so on and so forth or even just the full install right i want to do the full install for this uh this hids system um so you know again it's it's kind of this notion of we have tools to help us with other tools right that's what devops is really all about and for something like a hids based um or a host based intrusion detection system uh devops tools are definitely something that you want to uh make use of just to simplify that because if you have to go and install a hids uh on every single server you have by hand you know it's just going to add to your rollout time it's just going to make things uh, that more difficult and then you get that temptation of this is too hard i'm not going to bother with this one or i'll just bring up the system now and uh, i'll set up the intrusion detection later right and then of course later comes and you forget and it just never happens and the next thing you know you're going through a uh, an audit and wait a minute why doesn't this production server have any sort of intrusion detection on it and oh shoot sorry forgot to set that up no sorry doesn't cut it and then so, you know you're you fail your audit um or you you uh you know you're found not in compliance because you have some some critical systems so just keep that in mind right the host intrusion detection systems are more um more expensive to maintain and, and more tricky, but there are tools that can help you do that. So a couple of other things you want to know about uh, HIDS systems or uh, HIDS in general is they tend to be more Linux or Unix focused than Windows, but that doesn't mean that they all are. Um, there are Windows agents, there are uh, Windows uh, intrusion detection systems available, uh, host intrusion detection systems available. There's offerings for them. Um, you may have to jump through a few more hoops, but they are there. Um, and very much like the, the NIDS uh, examples from before, like Snow, uh, sorry, Snow, Snort, Bro, and Suricata, there are uh, open source versions for HIDS as well. So some popular ones, uh, OSSEC, which I think Trend Micro uh, actually backs, uh, Sam Hain, uh, Wazoo, and Tripwire. So uh, Wazoo is an interesting one. That's a, that's a newcomer uh, in that it is based off of OSSEC, but they've added some updated signatures. They've built an Elk stack around it. So that's Elasticash, Kibana, and uh, Logstash. And it's, it's kind of a cross between a client server based HIDs and a SIM as well, because you have that ability to do uh, searching and alerting and whatnot. So it's kind of a nice, uh, nice newcomer, definitely one that I would recommend taking a look at if you wanted to get into the HIDs game on your own. And I think they actually have some puppets, uh, I can't remember what they're called, manifests or whatnot. I use Chef, so whatever the equivalent to Puppet is for a cookbook. Um, uh, Wazoo, Wazoo has that. I'll provide links for all of them. Now, I mentioned Tripwire. Tripwire is one you want to keep in mind. It is not real-time. Uh, Tripwire usually runs on a set schedule and just looks... It's kind of a cross between uh, HIDs and just an integrity checker. Um, it's looking for changes to your system, but again, it's not looking uh, in real time. It's it's based on a schedule, and uh, yeah, just just something to keep in mind when when looking at these things. The other ones, OSX, Samhain, Wazoo, they are more or less real time. They'll let you know when something's happening as it's happening. Um, so, yeah. Not to knock Tripwire. I mean, Tripwire's been around for a while. It also offers a... Um, it does off, uh, offer a commercial offering as well, if that's important to you. Okay, so that kind of covers what IDSs are, and that's great and all, but, you know, this is head in the cloud. we got to talk about how does this impact people in the cloud where does that come from john have you lost your mind 
or have you just become like a, a regular security podcast? Uh, and the answer is yes, I have lost my mind. Uh, but no, we are going to talk about the cloud, um, obviously. So what, what about the cloud? What can you use, right? And again, it really depends on what your setup is. If you're a hybrid cloud solution where you have uh, sort of a traditional data center and you have some uh, stuff that's going out to the cloud, right, then chances are you have some sort of uh, VPN gateway between your traditional center data center and the cloud. You can still use more traditional HIDS appliance and uh, attach it to the communication between the two systems, right? That doesn't mean that you're going to be necessarily getting all the data that's coming into your and solely for your cloud, um, but any sort of communication between your uh, internal infrastructure and your cloud infrastructure, like your, your data center infrastructure and your cloud infrastructure, you can at least monitor that through uh, through a, a, a NIDS-like uh, solution. Similarly, if you are doing a uh, private cloud, right, where you basically, you're a traditional data center, um, maybe you've got some really big beefy boxes, you still have that ability. You can still, um, at the hypervisor level, um, monitor that network traffic that's going through and still have that that IDS capability very much like you would if you were not cloud-based at all, right? You still have that capability. Um, but if you're in the public or a community cloud, um, then things start to get a little more muddied, right? So if I'm on Azure, if I'm on Amazon, if I'm on Google Cloud, um, you might want to, and you want a more traditional IDS offering, you're going to have to pay for it. Um, you're not going to necessarily, you're going to have to pay for it one of two ways, either money or money. Um, money in terms of paying a vendor to do it for you. So for example, Amazon has their marketplace. There are some of the traditional players uh, like Sourcefire, Checkpoint, etc. cetera. Uh, they have appliances, virtual appliances that you can purchase and put into your network and require a bunch of configuration and whatnot, right? So that's the traditional, I'm gonna spend a lot of money and just throw money at the problem, uh, get something that's pre-built and just spend some time configuring it versus money of, I'm going to just, you know, set up my own um, snort box and I'm going to set that up and I'm going to configure it. And then I've got to figure out how to set it up as uh, a gateway for my uh, internal network in the cloud and somehow route all my traffic to go through this thing uh, so that I can monitor an alert on it and then send it off to either the internet or just keep it within the internal uh, network. So essentially turning my IDS into my NAT gateway um, at the same time. So yeah, that option is definitely possible, but it's not as easy or as recommended as say, just buying an appliance from somebody that, that knows what you're what you're doing or what they are doing sorry um because it, it's going to take a while to figure it out this this often comes up when people are are first migrating to the cloud you know people will say well hey how do i get an ids on this thing i used to have an ids in my data center i want to have an ids in the cloud you know that's great um most people will say uh you don't need an ids everything is handled by by the cloud provider and you know why do you want to bother and so on and so forth well there's reasons why people want to bother they they either have uh compliance reasons to do it um or it's a comfort thing they they've always had an ids and they want to have an ids and ids's are definitely something that you um you want to explore at the very least but Maybe a NIDS isn't what you're looking for. Maybe a HIDS is a better solution. And you want to take a look at uh, at something like that. Now, if you're concerned about HIDS and you're concerned about the 
the overhead of using a, a HIDS system. There are other commercial offerings that are out there. Um, so you can take a look at if you didn't want to set up OSSEC, for example, or Wazoo, you could take a look at something like uh, ThreatStack or Evident.io. Um, you know, the podcast isn't sponsored by these guys. Um, I just know them from some research that I've done from before. But these are like ThreatStack and Evident.io. I'm sure there's more. Uh, those are the ones that I'm most familiar with. Um, they offer systems that were, they're kind of almost like a traditional sock for the cloud where they will install agents on your various uh, instances and will help monitor those instances for any sort of security threat. They tend to be a lot more than just what you would see in a traditional IDS. Um, they're going to go a lot deeper. So they're not just going to look at um, and sort of network traffic to see what what's potentially an anomaly there but they can also monitor things like file integrity um, remote access uh, even what people are doing on the machines themselves right and price wise you know it, take a look at their websites right they, they give you an idea for for um, for their prices, I don't think that they're unreasonable. I think they're actually pretty reasonable for what they offer, um, and that's kind of the just out of the box uh, something that that you may want to consider doing, uh, especially as you grow. Right? If you only have a handful of systems, maybe an idea or a, a HIDS based solution is what you're looking for, and it offers you what you what you want um, or what you need then um, that's that's pretty good right that's definitely something to uh, to look into you know so if uh, you know where should you start right again it depends on your industry and your needs right if you're a pure SaaS player you might want to start with uh, a HIDS solution and go from there maybe you only have five or ten servers to start maybe you only have two servers to start and as you're growing it doesn't grow that significantly um, then you know you may be able to handle yourself with the hits something client server based is definitely something I would recommend I wouldn't necessarily recommend going with standalone um, hits on each individual machine um, like I said wazoo seems to be the most promising just because they have updated signatures OSSEC is uh, very popular uh, but their signatures are not updated very often Right. So uh, whereas Wazoo seems to uh, claim uh, some assistance with PCI compliance, right, and being able to show that you have uh, appropriate controls for PCI. So, you know, that, that's a good offering. Um, as you're growing, maybe you want to switch over and take a look at something like um, like a threat stack or an evident IO. Uh, to see what their offerings are because you know their their security posturing like I said goes a lot further than uh, than just the standard IDS uh, or hits based system and because it's commercial offering uh, they should offer a bit better performance in terms of uh, impact on your systems with their agents versus uh, something open source and free not knocking open source I love it uh, but at the same time, you, you often get what you pay for. And I haven't done performance analysis, so it, that could be a complete crock. Uh, but definitely something worth, uh, worth considering. Um, you know, you could decide that you want to go and build your own um, IDS, like I said before, where you, where you want to essentially build yourself a gateway that all your traffic is going to go through within your, your cloud environment. And you're more than free to do so. Uh, but just remember, like, this is not going to be trivial. Um, and it's not going to be something that's easy to do. Often, if you search YouTube, for example, there's uh, Amazon has a talk that they offered a couple of years ago about intrusion detection in the cloud and what does that uh, 
what does that look like and what do you do? And they immediately start the conversation by saying, this is not going to be about um, how to set up an IDS in the traditional sense, but rather here's all the things we expect you to do uh, by locking down um, your IAM roles, uh, setting up policies and uh, firewalls and, and so on and so forth. And they said, look, if you want a traditional IDS, just go take a look at one of the vendors we have in the marketplace. But these are all the things that we want you to do. We want you to deal with flow logs. We want you to do all of these things. So essentially what they what they what their talk was more or less about was the stuff that we had covered previously with the CIS benchmark for Amazon Web Services. So it's interesting that it seems that Amazon is almost saying, look, you don't need a traditional IDS. You know, you can just do this other stuff uh, and we're going to protect you. And the chance of, of you needing something like an IDS is probably next to nothing. Right. So, again, you've got to do your own risk analysis. You've got to figure out, is an IDS something that we need? Right. Uh, maybe the answer is no. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe you just need something simple. Maybe uh, things like flow logs and uh, other logging that you have on the system and so on is sufficient for your needs, right? Because again, you're expecting that the actual physical infrastructure is going to be monitored by uh, Amazon and it will be or by Microsoft for Azure or by Google for the Google Cloud um, platform and it will be however you keep in mind every single one of these cloud providers is going to tell you you are responsible for the operating system itself right you are responsible for what's happening on the systems that you yourself have set up right so setting up uh, some sort of IDS is still something you're going to want to at, at the very least have a discussion about and have that uh that talk you know personally i think an ids is is definitely worth having uh be it hids based or be it something like uh, a a sock hosted uh monitoring you know to, uh, again a threat stack or something um then you know take a look at it Try to figure out is this something that's worth doing you know do your cost benefit analysis how much is it going to cost if you have a breach that could have been, been prevented by one of these systems versus um, just purchasing uh, a service or, or doing the work and setting something up you know any which way um, there's no right answer here um, you may be forced into having an ids depending on your regulatory compliance uh, you may not you know but it's definitely something it's it's worth having think of it as defense in depth right it's just another piece of the puzzle uh that you want to have another thing that can help protect your systems right um and yeah talk with your senior management see you know hey can we can we get budget for this can we not right um and go from there so uh, if you guys are, are working in the cloud and you're doing something different, you know, maybe you're using an IDS that uh, that I haven't covered here. Maybe you're using a different strategy altogether. By all means, let me know. You know, hit me up on Twitter. Head over to the uh, Facebook fan page and um, throw a post there. Reach out to me. Uh, email, LinkedIn, on the website, whatever. Uh, let me know, and we can go from there. Um, and with that... You know, uh, we're pretty much done with this particular podcast. Hopefully I didn't ramble on too much about IDSs. They are important, right? They're a traditional model, especially if you're coming from a traditional data center. You may start wondering, like, where the hell is the IDS option when I'm setting up these, um, these systems? And the answer is they're really not there um, because, like I said, some people seem to think that they're not necessary. I think that they're important and I think they have a place. Uh, but it's definitely something uh, you, you'll want to explore a bit further. If you've never heard of what an IDS is or didn't know, then hopefully you found this, uh, this podcast helpful. So uh, where can you find me? Uh, so you can find me, you can find the, the main website for the 
uh, podcast is at myheadinthe.cloud. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, John's Not Here on Twitter, uh, spelled just the way it sounds. Uh, on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash myheadinthecloud. I'm on Peerlist as well. Uh, you just search for my name, John Sfazic. If you can't figure out how to spell my name, no problem. Just look on Twitter or go to the, uh, the website and we can go from there. So something new and exciting uh, for the podcast this week, we are on a new site called Podchaser. Uh, Podchaser is kind of this new site that, that uh, a group of podcast fanatics have uh, come up with. I'm going to call them fanatics because they seem like a good group of people. Um, so I figure I can tease them a little bit with that. But essentially Podchaser is kind of like a stomping ground for discovering uh, podcasts and they do things a little bit differently because they actually rank things based on um you know what's kind of what's popular but it gives you an opportunity to look at which episodes of which podcasts are popular which kind of gives a bit of a fighting chance for new podcasts to uh come up the ranks uh and it's kind of a neat idea. They're in beta right now. Uh, so I actually have a beta code that if you guys want to sign up and take a look, uh, the, the code is head in the cloud. Uh, each letter uh, of each word, the first letter of each word, sorry, is capitalized. So capital H for head, capital I for in, capital T for the, and capital C for cloud, um, all one word that's your beta code. It's good for a hundred users. So the first hundred users listening to this podcast, I want to take a look at uh, Podchaser. Use that code. Um, if you're listening to this in the future and there's no code needed, just ignore everything I just said about uh, what the code is and how to spell it. Um, but if you are listening and they still have the beta code uh, in place, um, and you can't get in, just send me a note on Twitter and I'll see what I can do to, to give you a hand. Um, I don't think we have a hundred listeners right now. So chances are ridiculously good that if you want to use the code, it's probably just going to work. So yeah, so give it a shot by all means, take a look and, and, you know, give some feedback, give some ratings on the podcast, you know, let other people know if you like it. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, don't leave me writing. I don't want to. Uh, this is this is a hobby for me, right? This is you know, like I said, this is episode eight. Um, so obviously, I, I'm still relatively new at this, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'm bringing something that that people enjoy. You know, if not, I don't really care. I'm gonna keep doing it because I find some value in this. So, but anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, stay safe and have yourselves a great week.